travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 49. This one is hiking and mountain biking in Hong Kong. When people hear Hong Kong, they naturally think of towering, futuristic skyscrapers teeming with people. As one of the world's most densely populated cities, to the uninitiated, you would never think of mountains suitable for hiking and mountain biking. But it turns out there are tons of fantastic trails on those mountains you see from the city, and lots more beyond the cityscape than most tourists see and experience. Today we're going to chat with two experts about hiking and mountain biking opportunities in the city. This is Scott Coates in Bangkok with my co-host... Hey Scott, Trevor Ranges here. Hey man, uh, so what's going on? You know, uh, when we decided to do this episode, just because we happened to meet a couple of guys who, who have some expertise in this area, you know, I was kind of surprised at first. Uh, I went to Hong Kong for several days a number of years ago, and I explored a bit of the city, and I can't say I didn't see a single tree, um, because, <laughs> you know, it is a major urban metropolis. It's one of, like, the biggest cities in the world, or most famous, yeah. like, city cities, right? Sure, sure. Um, but I did go up a cable car to Victoria Peak. Yeah, I've been um, there. And there's some great views up there. So you can see that there's mountains, and there are trees, but I'd never really imagined that there was going to be fantastic hiking and biking trails there, let alone camping. Yeah, I'm kicking myself because I've been to Hong Kong lots of times and I knew there was great hiking there. And I've even sussed out instructions how to go hiking, but I just never ever made it happen on any of my trips. And I'm also a mountain biker, so knowing what's there now, I'm like, I'm super pumped to go. But uh, before we go too much further, well, let's thank our sponsors. They are Himalayan Trails. And uh, they are great people for arranging any kind of trip in Nepal, be it a soft trip, just a city trip, maybe a bit of wildlife spotting in the south or a full-on Himalayan trek. They can do it all. So thanks very much, Himalayan Trails, for sponsoring us. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the Hong Kong thing, I, I can't believe I didn't know about this. You know, um, it, it seems like... You know, most cities in the area, well, when you were living in KL, it was great because there's mountain biking and very convenient to where you were living. Yeah. Um, but here in Bangkok, it's a bit trickier to get outdoors. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I do like love to camp and I do like to hike. And, you know, I just didn't even consider it when I went on that Hong Kong trip. So so now that we're going to get some more advice and information about it, um, hopefully other people won't make the mistake that I did. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to friends who have gone mountain biking, hiking there, and apparently there's like buffalo you know just on islands outside of the buffalo. city and you can literally apparently like go a few minutes and from the city downtown and just be out in the great outdoors walking so yeah i'm super pumped to hear about it our guest today is steve coward he's the owner of cross country hk a company that specializes in mountain bike tours of hong kong's mountains and green spaces they also teach basic mountain biking skills to get more people up on two wheels and out on the trails he joins us uh, via skype from hong kong today thanks for joining us steve thanks for having us along scott perfect so uh where exactly in hong kong are you uh, i'm on lancel island uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, about Oh, just off of Hong Kong Island. It's actually the largest uh, island in Hong Kong itself. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Where are you from and how did you end up in Hong Kong? I'm from the UK 
And okay. uh, 22 years ago, I was backpacking around the world, and uh, Hong Kong was just a stopover uh, for me to earn a little bit of cash. And uh, mm -hmm. I just stayed on beyond the three months, and then before I knew it, it was 22 years. So uh, I'm still here. Wow, that's quite a long time. So were you into mountain biking before you moved to Hong Kong, or is this a, is this a passion that you developed after you moved there? This is more of a passion that I really picked up since I've, I've been in Hong Kong. Um, I mountain bike toured um, before I reached Hong Kong, and, um, and then really the, I, I took up off-road mountain biking, I suppose, about a year after I arrived. I, I bought a mountain bike and uh, was out exploring with friends and uh, found I really enjoyed it. So I have read a little bit about mountain biking in Hong Kong online. I remember probably 10 plus years ago, I looked and there really didn't seem to be much going on, but now it seems there is. So how has it evolved over the time you've been there? Um, yeah, certainly 20 years ago, uh, there were no legal trails in Hong Kong at all uh, when I arrived. Um, but there was a growing community of uh, bikers that were, were looking for somewhere to ride. And uh, they either rode on Lama Island and there was a few trails on Lama that was beginning to be built by enthusiasts um, or they just run the gauntlet and rode in the country parks illegally and uh, and because the, the amount of mountain bikers just increased the parks department um, started to look at maybe opening up a few trails and uh, show, slowly but surely these these sort of became more and more and uh, and, and in the last five years we've actually had purpose-built trails built by the uh, parks department which is uh, a great thing so Oh, cool. So you're talking about this, this large mountain biking community that kind of pressured the government to, to make it more available to them. Who, who does this community made up of? Is it mostly expats? Is it people from Hong Kong? Uh, can you tell us about the, who the riders are? Yeah, it's a, it's a real mix. I would say about 70% are local Hong Kong Chinese. Um, and the other 30% are what we call expats of uh, sort of uh, British, American, Australian, Canadians. Um, also a few Filipinos, uh, so that it's a real mixed bag of riders, actually. Okay, well, having been to Hong Kong quite a few times, I mean, you see the big steep hills behind the skyscrapers and stuff. What are the trails and riding like there? Is it something that beginners can jump into, or are we talking about real expert terrain? Tell us, tell us about the trails. I've got to be honest. I mean, because um, we got it's extremely hilly here, and uh, you've got extremes in weather as well, especially in the summer. You've got about you know 33 degrees and 90% humidity, uh, so it does lean more towards uh, sort of intermediate to uh, expert level riders. Okay. Um, having said that, I mean I, I was a complete beginner when I started in Hong Kong, and uh, it was a steep learning curve. You know, you just got out a little bit more. I, I trained a little bit at night as well on the roads to get my fitness up, and mm -hmm. um, and, and really just learned from my mistakes. Uh, so uh, um, having said that, I mean. There's not a huge amount for beginners at the moment, but uh, that's been recognized. And the uh, park okay. department are in the process now of building a beginner area on Lantau itself, actually, which is uh, due for completion in the, the next year or two. Okay. OK, so are we talking that a lot of this is like single track, dirt trails, steep ascents, steep descents, rocky, rudy, quite technical stuff? Definitely. Yeah, it's um, you, you've, you've hit it in one there. You've, you've pretty much hit everything. It's wet as well. It's slippery. Um, okay. But there are one or two areas that are um, a bit flatter. Um, there's uh, a fantastic 13 kilometer loop of the uh, <clears throat> one of the reservoirs. Um, and the trail on that side is you've got about seven kilometers of uh, fairly flat trail 
um, and that's around the Thailand Reservoir. So that's considered one of the easier trails, but um, still at the far end, you've got uh, you know sort of a more mountainous sort of uh, link to actually get back into a loop. So, yeah. So are these trails being well maintained then? Who who's taking care of them? I mean, if it's some steep hilly stuff in the in the middle of the the forest, are are they getting out there to make sure that they're they're safe and well maintained? Yep, I mean the parks department uh, get out about oh, three or four times a year. Uh, to cut back the grass, and uh, in the winter they actually uh, they they may sort of come in with a, a few more tools and make sure the drainage is working okay, so that because uh, we do get you know huge amount of rain in the summer, and the newer trails are, are built in a sustainable way, so that the water flows off the trail rather than down the trail, so that minimizes oh, right, right. the uh, minimizes the erosion. Cool. I'm trying to imagine the the scale and the scope of these trails. Are are we talking that there's three? looped trails or is there 150 kilometers of riding altogether like i mean how many trails are there and what kind of distances could you cover you know on consecutive days and things well you've got um you've got about 11 designated trails in country park um on top of that you've got llama island and there's about a day's riding on, on llama if you count you know going for a beer at the end of it and a meal somewhere for lunch mm-hmm. um certainly in the the most um trails uh, in the uh, Thailand country park um, you've got normally you've got about two to three good long days of, of riding just in that park actually um, hmm. you can start at the top and finish at the bottom you can you can start at the bottom and do a huge loop and uh, so there's a, a huge amount of variety within that park cool hmm. yeah variety's good and, and it sounds like there's uh, enough to keep someone busy biking there for, for a number of days um, how about like if you've done some more biking around the region, um, how do you think uh, Hong Kong differs from other places to bike? Like, what makes it special uh, biking in Hong Kong? Um, it's pretty unique. I mean, some parts of it, I've had people from Europe comment that it's very alpine-like, and yet you can come around a corner and then there's this huge bamboo grove, which definitely is unique you know, to China and Hong Kong. Um, or, or even in Chiang Mai, I've seen that as well. But um, so it's it's kind of special in that way. And some of the the Thailand country park, in fact, a lot a large amount of it is um, is uh, has been planted in the last fifty years. So you've got some very mature trees there, um, and uh, some of these trees weren't native at the time, and uh, um, they're now having a, a replanting process at the moment. So they're taking a lot of the bigger trees out. But it, it does seem very kind of alpine like in certain areas, and uh, yeah. Oh, that's neat. So am, am I right that you're a full-time gig or are you working leading mountain biking trips all the time? Um, I try and fit in as much as I can. I'm, I'm generally working about three to four days a week. Um, oh, wow. So I was working this morning. Um, okay. And I sort of split my time between uh, babysitting my new, my, my one-year-old daughter now. And uh, I've, I've got another part-time job, which is unconnected with biking. So I, I do that as well. So, yeah. Okay. So is mountain biking something that, you know, a casual visitor to the city can, can do? Easily. Um, I mean, 70% of my clients actually are from overseas. And uh, they're what I would call enthusiast mountain bikers. They come on, on a business trip and they've got a, a day at the end of that trip or a day at the beginning. And uh, they just, you know, want to jump on a bike and see somewhere new. So, uh, yeah. 
You know, one of the things I was thinking about uh, is maybe, you know, people are coming to Hong Kong to visit. Uh, they would like to do a biking tri- trip while they're there. Um, you had mentioned the rain earlier, and, and that's something we can't control. You go on vacation, like this monsoon rain comes down and you can't yep. do any biking. One of the other things I was thinking about was was the air quality. Are, are there problems with like the air quality being too bad that uh, it, it could almost even be too unhealthy to, to ride a bike? Yeah, those... Um the air pollution is at its worst probably around uh, the winter months and sort of you know November, December, uh, which is a shame because that's also uh, some of the best months to ride. You know, you've got cool, warm days and uh, very little rain that time of year. Um, I'd, I've been running this about seven years now, and actually I, I don't think I've ever had a cancellation due to the air quality. So, uh, and if anything, in the last, probably the last couple of years, it's, I think it's actually got slightly better. So... Um, it, it really isn't a huge problem, no. no. Can, can you ride year-round in Hong Kong? You can do. It's just a level of comfort, really. Um, the, as I was saying just a minute ago, the, the best months really are um, October around till probably the end of March. Uh, they're certainly the driest months. And the temperatures are you know, a pleasant sort of mid-20s or early 20s. Um, come in the summer months, you know, it gets a, a little bit more humid. And uh, um, certainly I... I tend to offer more sort of top-down sort of rides. So we do a ride from uh, starting at 500 metres above sea level and maybe finishing at the, uh, the coast. So it's mostly downhill and, uh, you know, you're not exerting yourself quite as much. Oh, that's fun. So I, I, that, that's a good option for when it's super humid and Very you're just cool. going to sweat just to, to do some downhill to, to get outdoors and that's see right. another side of Hong Kong. Because yeah. when most people think about Hong Kong, they think about, you know, the, the, the city, the urban aspect of it. Um, so maybe as a, as a final note, if someone did want to come to Hong Kong and, and do some biking there, um, do you have any words of advice for them? Um, any words of advice for somebody coming to Hong Kong? Um, you generally want to make sure you're hydrated in the summer for sure. Um, if you're going it alone, I, I, you definitely need a very good map um, to help you sort of get around. Um, there's a couple of websites uh, that can help you out as well. The Hong Kong Mountain Bike Association um, website is uh, that's at www.hkmba.org. Um, and there's some good sort of advice on there. Um, they've got a Facebook page as well. Um, some advice on all the, the legal trails that are available. Um, once a month, I, I actually run a, a free group ride for them, um, which is on the first Saturday of every month. And, uh, and each time we aim to do a different trail. Um, and uh, we, we get about between five and 15 riders on that. And uh, most of them are from out of town or newbies. And uh, we have a few experienced riders alongside as well. So it's a good way of uh, getting new people on the trails. And and uh, making sure they enjoy the day. Neat. And I know your website is mtbhk.com. And what we'll uh, do for listeners is in the show notes, we always have links at the bottom. We'll link to your uh, site, Steve, and the other one you mentioned. And then we'll probably also put a a little Google map together quickly to show the areas that you were talking about. But uh, Steve, you've got me very excited. I have my full suspension specialized uh, in the storage closet here that doesn't get real downhill or (laughs) off-road in Bangkok. So I've got to get myself to uh, Hong Kong and ride with you. So thanks so much for sharing uh, some of your passion and info about uh, mountain biking in Hong Kong, Steve. Thank you very much. Okay, let's bring in our second guest, Dave Stamboulis, who has over three decades of adventure travel writing and photography under his belt. After traveling throughout Europe and the Americas in the 1980s, 
Dave moved to Asia in the 1990s, calling Japan his home for three years before riding a bicycle 45,000 kilometers around the world. The result of this journey was the well-received book Odysseus Last Stand, which won the silver medal for Travel Book of the Year in 2006 from the Society of American Travel Writers. For the past seven years, Dave has resided in Bangkok, Thailand, where he works as a freelance photographer and travel writer. In addition to knowing Dave through his travel writing and photography, which has been published in numerous magazines around the region, including ones that I have also worked for, I know Dave through the Bangkok craft beer scene, which I believe is an important hobby for any writer. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you. Happy yeah. to be here. So we are all together in Bangkok, Thailand, three people around a table, which rarely happens. So Dave, I got to ask you first, where now that intro kind of alluded that you've sailed from Greece to America, but where would you say you're originally from and what brought you to Asia? Um, that, that's actually, it's a pretty hard question and I never really know how to answer it. <laughs> sure. And, and I often, you know, quote uh, the famed travel writer Pico Iyer, uh -huh. who you know, was born in India, grew up in California, yeah. and makes his home in Japan. And on the one hand, you could say that for myself, I mean, wherever I've been, I've been slightly a fish out of water, uh -huh. yet at the same time, kind of taking to wherever I've been. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, I grew up in the U.S., and my, you know, I love basketball, I love baseball, I love lots of things American. And yet at the same time, I've lived in Asia for so long that many things in Asia, I feel, are part of me. Hmm. Uh, I do have Greek roots, so okay. that's still there. So what brought you to Asia originally? How did you end up working and living over here? Um, well, the, the main gist was doing the bicycle trip. Uh -huh. And, you know, basically what had happened was I was in the U.S. and... I had started leading bike tours across the country huh. and I'd fallen in love with a bike riding lifestyle and I finished a Transamerica trip and I thought, where do I go from here? And I thought to myself, the, the next logical step is to go around the world. And I think the, the only thing really driving me was the thought that I wanted to go to the Himalayas hmm. and the second one was that I had no money. <laughs> so. Two, my two best friends in university had both gone to Japan, both gotten married there, both made a lot of money teaching English there. Okay. So I thought, you know, I, I had joked with them that, hey, if I'm 30 and I'm not married and I don't have any money, I'll play the Japan card option. And so I decided to do it, but I was kind of held back by thinking that, you know, my image of Japan was just high-rise buildings, and, and at the time I was living in New Mexico. Okay. And I thought, I'm not going to trade the mountains and deserts of the Southwest for living in a concrete jungle, just trying try to make money. And then one day I went to the library, and I found this book on the national parks of Japan. Mm -hmm. And what I saw in that book just blew my mind, kind of like our subject later on today, Hong Kong where you know, people have this image, of, you know, people think of Japan as Tokyo, of densely populated. Well, the reality of Japan is that it is densely populated because I think the people live in probably 10 or 13% of the land. 87% mm. of Japan is uninhabitable, it's mountains. So once I saw that, you know, I thought, okay, I'm gonna go to a town or a city near the mountains, which I did, and I ended up going to Japan I ended up staying three years. I ended up making enough money to fund the bike trip. Hmm. And then in the course of the next seven years, I, you know, I biked across the world and I spent a lot of time in Asia. Uh, I fell in love with Nepal. I lived in Nepal for a year 
I did a lot of trekking there. And at the same time, I uh, bicycled through Thailand. And during that time, I really fell in love with Thailand. Um, as I always tell people, you know, th this was back in 1995 when a bungalow on Koh Phi Phi was 20 baht. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really the good old days. Yeah, cool. So you've come a long way since then. And, you know, it's kind of ironic maybe that since biking was really your passion that we're having you on for, for hiking today. Um, but I remember several months ago, you were telling me about this trip you were doing to Hong Kong. And I was like, wow, that sounds like such an interesting experience. So what inspired you to go on this hiking expedition in Hong Kong? And, and was this your first trip doing something like this no. there? Or you just wanted to document it this time? Um, to, go, to go back just a little bit, during the entire bike trip, actually one of the only regrets I had was that I didn't walk. I mean, I walked in places, of course, but you know, obviously to practically go around the world and walk around the world would probably take you most of your life. Hmm. The bike's this great happy medium where you can cover a fair amount of ground, you can carry a lot of stuff. Uh, but I always enjoyed walking. When I finished the bike trip, I knew that I had to replace what had happened and that passion with something else, mm -hmm. so I took up mountaineering. And I did a mountaineering course and I went back and lived in the North Cascades in Washington. I started climbing like crazy, hmm. which led to several overseas expeditions climbing. And I, I kind of became a gung-ho climber for a couple of years, probably had the whole, I'm going to do Denali and then Everest and hmm. the whole scenario laid out. And then I started coming to winter in Thailand. And during that time, I kind of, it, it fell away and I said, oh, you know, I, I I don't want to mountaineer all the time now, it's too intense, it's too much, but I still like to walk. So most of my trips now tend to focus around trekking and walking. Okay. And when we looked at Hong Kong, all this, you know, we, we started, my girlfriend and I started finding out some information about, you know, Hong Kong has these long distance walking trails. And then a friend told me, oh, you know, you can go to Hong Kong, you can camp for free. Hmm. I thought, Hong Kong, this uber expensive city has free campgrounds? And I looked that up, I was like, wow. Well, maybe this is an affordable, fun, nearby vacation. And thus the idea was planted and started doing more research and off we went. So, I mean, how long were you hiking there? And yeah, what, what, what we did, we only had about a week. Okay, and what, we decided, what we decided to do, Hong Kong has three long distance hiking trails. Okay. Uh, the Maklehose Trail, the Lantau Trail, and I think it's the Hong Kong Trail. The, the Maklehose Trail is the longest one of them. It's okay. about 100 kilometers. And that's what you did? We, no, we did sections of each. Okay. And what most people in Hong Kong do, actually, they don't even camp or do a whole through hike. Ah. Because the tra you, know, you can be at a trailhead in Hong Kong within 15 minutes anywhere with the public transport because wow. it's so good. That's cool. So most people go out, you know, weekend one, I'm going to do section one. Weekend two, uh, I'm okay. going to do section two. Yeah. And, and the, the hardcore hikers try to amass, you know, they do all the sections. Right. A, a few of them might need, maybe you need an overnight. Mm. So we looked at some photos and did, there, there's some fairly good material out there on the internet. And the Hong Kong uh, Department of County Parks is very, very good. We looked up places where we saw, one, there were campgrounds, and two, that looked the most interesting in terms of combining beaches, mountains, places away from the tourists. So the Maklehose Trail was kind of like the top scenery, get away from it all. And then we did the Dragon's Back, which okay. is the most famous, which is a crowded trek, but it goes over this spine right over Hong Kong. 
and is very popular with lots of runners and fitness groups and Neat. whatnot. And so that was, we did that as another part. So are these like official campgrounds then? Because I saw some of your photos and you camped on the beach in one place. So you basically strung together the, the network of trails to go to different areas of, of these networks and then just camped wherever or? The, no, there are official campgrounds. And some of the photos that you saw there actually are near an official campground out on a beach that this was New Year's. And there was one other tent on this beach. Yeah. And, if you, wow. and if you look at that photo, I mean, it looks like Hawaii. Yeah, that looks nice. Um, but for the most part, yeah, you can go to these official campgrounds, which are pretty basic. They have bathrooms and they have water, which is the most important thing. Yeah. And then usually, or not all of them, some of them, like, like the one that we camped at near where you saw that picture, had two small restaurants. So hmm. you could buy food. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, if you don't have to carry food, you save a lot of weight. And, sure. Neat. So you guys kind of strung together like sections of these trails, maybe overnighting here and there. And, and we, we did three nights on the east, the farthest east point on the Maklahos Trail. Okay. And that was kind of like the big, the long distance one. Right. Then we actually went back into the city because we wanted to go up to the viewpoint and take some nighttime shots of oh, the yeah. harbor. Yeah. And then and then from there we did the uh, we did the dragons back. Um, and then we went to the Lantau Trail and we wanted to do Lantau Peak, which is the second highest peak in Hong Kong, at the very end and we got brutally weathered out. Mm. Well, aside from the weather, were some of these treks kind of challenging? I mean, it sounds like if you're at sea level, those are going to be fairly easy hikes, but, but what was the terrain like? F for the most part, anybody can do them. I mean, they're great family outings. Mm. Um, the Maklahos does have some sections that are quite tough. Uh, for example, the section going over the highest mountain in Hong Kong. Uh, that, that section is tough and that section is not overly maintained. So some of the paths are a little bit rocky. And, and then there are things like, for example, on that beach you saw, on the one end of it is a peak called Sharp Peak. It's this very prominent rising pointed Sharp Peak. and it's officially not part of the trail, but many people who come on the trail are mm. going to go up that peak. That peak is a grind. Hmm. It's got loose rocks. Uh, it's very steep. And there are signs on it saying you should be a very experienced hiker to do this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and then again, you do throw in weather because Hong Kong can get some severe weather. I'm wondering if these are some of the similar trails that our other guest uh, bikes on as well. Are these exclusive hiking trails or are they multi-purpose? So the Dragon's Backbone, I believe, is mountain bike friendly. So I'm sure he's going out and doing that trail. Other trails are not bike friendly. It just depends where they are and what the, the situation is. Hmm. So you did, a, I mean, a quite an intense trip camping. But is this the kind of place where just a casual visitor to the city could jump out and do a half yes, day or and, a full and, day and hike. that's the thing that that just wowed me i mean i've spent very very little time in hong kong yeah and i kind of okay i get a little bit jaded having lived in bangkok now more than a decade yeah where you know to get out of bangkok you're talking two hours to go anywhere yeah yeah Minimum. let alone to a decent place sure especially for outdoor lovers yeah the fantastic thing in hong kong you can stay in the Ritz-Carlton or the Shangri-La. Yeah. And you can get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, have a nice breakfast, jump on a bus or in a taxi, and in 15 minutes you're at a trailhead. Uh, the Dragon's Backbone, uh, you know, a great case in point, 
you go out, you do that in four hours, and then you're sitting having a beer by the best surfing beach in Hong Kong four hours later. That's and, cool. and then you take the transport back to your hotel. Huh. So, yeah. You, yeah, you don't have to rough it at all. And, and I came back just thinking, wow, I could easily live in Hong Kong for a year because I would be out every single weekend getting my fill yeah. to come back into the dense city. Well, you know, that's interesting because I was thinking originally, like, you know, if you're doing hiking and camping trips, like you were saying earlier, you don't need as much weight because there happens to be restaurants at some of these places. So it seems to me that, like, if someone does want to do a day trip or a multi-night trip, they don't need to bring all sorts of gear and extra equipment or food to cook or start a campfire. You're right, and, and there's even one up on that. In the places where there are restaurants, many of the restaurants rent tents, sleeping bags, and pads. Really? So you don't have to carry those things either. Huh. Now, if somebody just uh, wants to roll out for a day or two, how, how can they find out about what are the best trails and options and so forth? Uh, it's pretty easy. You know, if you, it, it's funny because so many people, when they saw the photos, they were like, where did you get all this information? Yeah. Well, if you Google hiking in Hong Kong, okay. it's all there. Okay. Uh, probably the best site in terms of facilities, I think it's the Department of County Parks or whatever it's called. Okay. They have a very comprehensive site. Uh, even Hong Kong Tourism has a whole section on hiking in Hong Kong. Hmm. And yeah, again, just just type in hiking in Hong Kong or type in McElhose Trail and you'll, you'll get a million wonderful hits. That's wow. great. Yeah, we'll put some links to this stuff on our show notes as well. So suppose I wanted to just go for a weekend and, and maybe like camp overnight one night and just like do two, two, two days. What would you recommend the best trail or best area? By, for? by far and away, it's the McElhose Trail, and I think it's sections one and two. And what's so nice about it is you take, you know, from downtown Hong Kong, as I said, it's a 15 to 20 minute bus ride out to Saigong, which is the easternmost point of Hong Kong. And from there, you start, you start at sea level, you go down on the, to the water, mm. uh, you, you walk through some pretty nice terrain, you come down into these beautiful old, old Chinese villages, which still have a few inhabitants, and then you come out at, at these beaches that really look like something out of Hawaii. And you can camp on those beaches. During high season and summer season, you can get boats to those beaches. You wouldn't even have to do the first day's walk in. Or you could hike in and then take or, a boat out. Exactly. Yeah. But, but then what we did, we did that the first day. The second day we got up really early in the morning and climbed Sharps Peak without all of our gear. Went okay. back down, packed up. And then the next day's hike was to a second beach uh, that went over a couple of mountains that was quite 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 physically challenging. Again, from that beach and, and another beach, there are bailout points. And then on the third morning, we woke up and walked along the High County, the high county Dam, mm. which is, it's a reservoir, but it's beautiful. You know, it's emerald water and there's no cars, you know, in places. Um, and that brings you back to a loop. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, you've done a lot of traveling and biking and stuff within Asia. What would you say makes Hong Kong hiking so unique and different from other areas in the region? Uh, it's, it, in, in one way, it feels a little bit more like North America in that, hmm. you know, you compare it to, say, San Francisco or Vancouver, okay. where you've got these great, wonderful, cosmopolitan, huge cities. Okay. And then in a very, you know, 20 minutes to 30 minutes, 
you're out in wonderful urban nature. With great views, I imagine. With spectacular views. And, and the, again, another big plus is that you can come back and eat wonderful food. Sure. Hong Kong's known for its great food. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's also this wonderful contrast of most places. I mean, in Asia, either you've got very expensive countries like Singapore and Hong Kong and Japan. Yeah. Or you've got more expensive. And yet in Hong Kong, you've just got this great dichotomy of, you know, I, I think we spent New Year's Day spending all of, I think, a couple of dollars on yeah. a beer. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. In Hong Kong on New Year's. Yeah. And, and it was funny because when I looked at planning the trip, when I thought of doing some nights in the city, you know, a buddy of mine said, oh, you know, you can stay at the Ibis in Hong Kong. It's, it's like, you know, 60 bucks or 1500 baht. You get some yeah. great deals. And I looked it up. And of course, for New Year's, yeah. it was 10 times the price. Yeah, sure. No, so we're not going to go there. Yeah. So yeah, let's go camping. That's great, man. You've, uh, I've somehow missed out on hiking every time I've been there, although I intended to. And uh, you've definitely inspired yeah, me. Yeah, I love to hike and camp. If I had known about this years ago, I would have done it already, for yeah. sure. And, and it's even a place, you know, on the Dragon's Backbone, we met this Japanese man. He was 75 or 80 years old. He was walking in front of us carrying a pack probably the size of me. <laughs> he looked like a Sherpa from Nepal. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we asked him what he was doing. He was carrying paragliding equipment. Oh, sweet. And he took it up onto the spine. Yeah. And, you know, he got this huge crowd gathered and he took out all this high-tech equipment. He set everything yeah. up and he flew off. So there, there's cool. plenty of room for other... You know, there's stand-up paddling now going yeah. on. Wow. Of course, there are the good surfing beaches. Wow. So it, it kind of provides this whole dimension of, of outdoor fun that, to a certain degree, doesn't exist in Asia. Yeah. Maybe Japan. Okay. Um, Great. Well, we appreciate you sharing. That's super interesting. And we'll be posting some of the spots that we talked about on our uh, trip notes, or show notes, rather, and some of Dave's fantastic photographs as well, we'll link from there. So thanks so much for uh, sharing with us, Dave. Thank you for having me. And get out and start hiking in Hong <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I hope to. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp Lou?